your Money and Your Life podcasts by Mojas Druid to help you navigate life's legal and financial challenges. This short podcast series features two special episodes aimed at parents with seven children and raises important questions relating to the long-term support for vulnerable children. We offer guidance surrounding the processes that parents might need to consider as their child approaches 18. Processes um, that will allow them to continue making important welfare and financial decisions on their behalf into the future. My name is Anne-Marie Worth. I'm a solicitor at Mojas Druitt, specialising in wills, probate, later life and court protection work. Nicola Setchell is an administrator at Mojas Druitt. She has a 14-year-old son with special educational needs. So the questions Nicola raises today are very much from a personal perspective, but she hopes that the issues discussed will resonate with other parents of SEND children. Hi, Anne-Marie. Hi. How are you doing? All right? Thank you. Good. Thanks very much for talking to me today. Now, if I just start by telling you a little bit about my circumstance. So as you mentioned in the introduction, I have a uh, 14-year-old son with... um, learning disability. Um, Now that he's 14, we're at the point where we need to start thinking about his care moving into adulthood. And um, I know part of that is going to be us having to consider how we manage his financial affairs going forward. Um, So I wanted to ask you today a little bit about what I can do to um, put uh, processes in place really to assist with that. Um, I understand a little bit that I probably have the options of um, either a lasting power of attorney or a deputyship. Um, And I'm wondering if you could just maybe start by telling me a little bit about what each of those are. Of course, yes. So the two processes are are quite different, um, but they both give authority to another person to make legal decisions on behalf of someone else. So a lasting power of attorney, um, known often as LPA, Um, is a legal document which someone makes appointing uh, a family member, trusted family member or friend or a professional to act on their behalf at some point in the future if they became mentally incapable of making those decisions for themselves. A deputyship is um, applied for in a situation where a person already has lost mental capacity and decisions are made needed at that point it's probable that it's too late for them to make a lasting power of attorney because they lack capacity to do so. So the third party, such as parent, family member, friend, or other appropriate person, professional even, um, will make an application to the Court of Protection to obtain an order which will authorise them to make decisions on behalf of that person. It's it's sort of a t- the timing that is really the difference in t- and, and mental capacity. Um, it may often be the case that with a SEND child, they may not have the mental capacity to make an LPA because of their of their situation, in which case a deputyship application would be the sort of correct route. But we shouldn't presume that all people under that certain category do not have the capacity to make an LPA, and often they will have the requisite understanding and with the right support and tools Um, they will um, be able to make a lasting power of attorney, which would be probably the preferred option in most cases. Absolutely. So if if a child's maybe got that understanding, then we can look at the LPA route. If you really think that they're not going to be able to understand what's being asked of them, we're going down the deputyship route. Really in a nutshell. Yeah. Brilliant. So what, what are the features of each? 
Okay, so uh, the features are again different um, um, as between them both. So a lasting power of attorney, again, as I said before, it's a document that, you, uh, that the person makes. They are appointing their chosen attorneys. You can choose as many as you like, but it's normally up to four, up to four people in practical terms. That's the most appropriate. So if a SEND child is making an LPA, typically it may be a parent or both parents, but you can also have more than two. So a sibling may be an appropriate choice as well if they're of uh, an appropriate sort of um, age and, and ability to carry out that role. And um, ordinarily, you would appoint them jointly and severally, not, not in all cases, but jointly and severally, which means that the attorneys can um, act independently um, and also together for significant decisions. You can also appoint replacement attorneys. So if the original attorneys die or they lose mental capacity themselves or can't act for any other reason, you, you've got backups there. So you can make it quite bespoke in, in that regard. You can place restrictions and conditions in your LPA to suit your needs. And the LPA is then registered um, and is a valid document to be used at some point in the future. There's two types. The, um, there is a financial LPA, which covers all financial related decisions, including investing money, looking after bank accounts, dealing with welfare benefits, income, paying bills, mortgages, that sort of thing. And the health and welfare L LPA, which covers all other decisions. These, can, these decisions can include where you live, who you spend time with, um, consent to medical treatment, and things like your care decisions. So um, a deputyship, um, as I've said before, is, is, is an application made um, on, on a mentally incapacitated person's behalf by a third party. The court will give the um, order. They make the order appointing the chosen deputy who is applying for the order. So there's lots of, it's quite a, lot, a long sort of involved process and the deputy, the applying will need to submit quite a lot of evidence in, in their application to prove to the court that a deputyship application is needed and they are an appropriate candidate to carry out that role. And that takes quite a long time to get. And also, once a deputyship order is made, you are accountable to the court on an ongoing basis basically forever until such point as the deputyship order is no longer in existence. Mm -hmm. So there is an ongoing accountability and the deputy needs to um, deliver up um, yearly accounts to the court um, on, to account for the decisions they've made for, on a year-to-year -year basis. Are there anything that you can't do with an LPA or a deputyship? So there are certain restrictions. Um, so with an LPA, um, the LPA does normally give a, an overall authority over someone's affairs, but this is subject to any restrictions or conditions that are placed in the LPA, which they would need to adhere to. With, with a financial LPA, a financial LPA can actually be used whilst a person still has mental capacity subject to their consent. So um, the person would need to consent to any um, decisions made um, on their behalf whilst they have capacity to do so. But in relation to a SEND child in particular, an LPA in this situation might be a really good thing to have, even if they have some capacity to make decisions, they're probably going to need some support, aren't they, now mm -hmm. and into the future. So um, that flexibility is actually really good um, that their parents can step in whilst they have a capacity. And if things change in the future and their capacity fails. Um, 
there is a restriction about gifting um, an attorney that can't gift money on, on behalf of someone um, from their money to, to a third party. So if you want to do that, you have to make an application to the court of protection. With a deputyship order, the restrictions are covered by the actual order. So what you can and can't do is covered by the terms of the order. In relation to both a LPA and a deputyship, you can't make a will on someone's behalf. Okay, you have to make, again, a separate application to the court of protection. The other sort of quite significant thing to mention in this regard is that a deputy or attorney is subject to the Mental Capacity Act 2005. So any decisions they make on behalf of someone must be made in accordance with their best interests. And that is at the heart of the Mental Capacity Act. And there are lots of things and criteria that they would need to consider in any best interest decision. So it's not just a free-for-all to make decisions, you know, at their whim. They, they, they do have guidelines and um, rules that they, they would need to follow. Yeah, great. Um, so what age should you begin applying for either an LPA or a deputyship? Okay, well, this is particularly a good question in relation to a SEND child, um, because before they reach 18, their parents will have automatic parental responsibility for them so they can make decisions on their behalf as of right whilst the child is a minor. However, as they are approaching adulthood, that um, automatic right will stop. Um, once they, they reach 18, that will stop. So they would need to consider, I guess, as the child is approaching that age, whether they would need to put something in place to be able to continue managing their affairs and making decisions on their behalf if they continue, if they still need that support into adulthood. So if that's an LPA, because the child has mental capacity to make one, it will be 18 that the ch child can legally make an LPA. With a deputyship, again, um, it would be 18 um, that they would have to consider putting a, a deputyship application in place. But certainly whilst the child is a teenager and approaching adulthood is a really good time to start thinking about all these things. What would happen if either an attorney or a deputy uh, that you've appointed passes away? What would you do then? Okay, so it would be hoped that those sorts of um, issues would be covered when you originally set up the um, authority. Um, and obviously, if we're advising clients um, in relation to setting up an LPA or, or, or applying for a deputyship, we would hopefully cover the event of the a, a deputy or an attorney dying. So perhaps you can appoint two or more attorneys so that if one um, of the attorneys or deputies dies, you then have the surviving one that could act. So jointly and severally is, is obviously the, 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 the significant appointment in this situation. Um, with an LPA, if, if you know if you have two um, attorneys for or more, for example, you can appoint replacement attorneys that would step in if one or both of the original attorneys couldn't act. And um, with a deputyship, you can't appoint replacement attorneys, but you can have joint and several, um, and hopefully then the um, the remaining deputies can can step in in that situation. If if it's not covered initially, then it makes matters a little bit more more complicated. Um, because if then an LPA is invalid because you don't have an attorney to act or with a deputy, a deputy dies or both deputies die and you don't have any, any remaining deputies, you will go and have to, you would have to start the processes again with an LPA, make a completely new LPA, appointing new attorneys and with a deputyship, um, make another application to the court. 
Um, yeah. So it's good to get it right at the beginning, isn't it? Um, mm. But sometimes the things are out of your control. Um, yeah. I appreciate. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So it sounds like you've really got to, when you're sort of starting this process, not just think about sort of your immediate goals, but also think longer term, you know, what happens after perhaps you as parents die and who would take up that reign. And that's probably a good thing to think about now at the beginning rather than, you know, at the process when one or other passes away. So I think so. Given the complicated nature of these things and the length of time, I think cover all these things right at the beginning and we can take you through everything that you need to think about and advise you appropriately. Yeah. yeah. And can they be changed at any point as well? So an LPA unfortunately can't be changed once it's registered. So the process is that the, the LPA is prepared, signed by all parties and sent off to the Office of the Public Guardian for registration, which takes a few months. Once it's registered, that document can't be changed. So if a person um, wants to then um, make any changes, so that may be they, they are now not happy with their chosen attorney and wants to remove one, um, that sort of thing. Unfortunately, they would have to then revoke their existing LPA and start the whole process again and, ma and make a new one. Um, obviously, you still have to have mental capacity in order to revoke your LPA um, and make a new one. So bear that in mind. With a deputyship application, again, any changes to the order once it's made, um we'll have to we'll, we'll we'll require a new application to the court um and that will be subject to the court process which takes a while i'm afraid any any application at the court of protection does does take quite a long time okay so again hopefully you, you we can cover as many things as possible when initially um making um those um documents but they can be changed but it's not it's not simple yeah. <laughs> yeah. um and in terms of actually going about um making either an lpa or a deputyship what's what's the procedure what sort of cost are we talking about and, and length of time of course yes yeah. so a lasting power of attorney is is, is a simpler process and, and quicker process so i'll start with that first um, we would meet with a potential client. Um, so, um, you know, we're happy to have that initial conversation over the phone and guide them through everything they need to know before they commit to anything. Um, and then if they want to proceed, we would meet with them and take full instructions um, and give them, you know, the fullest information we can at, at, that, at that meeting. We're happy to meet people remotely if it's inconvenient for them to come in, although we think it's best to meet clients face to face for obvious reasons. You know, we're happy to um, be flexible and meet via, you know, video call if that's if that's more convenient. When we get all the initial admins, admins signed and um, dealt with in terms of conditions signed up and everything, we would to you know draft the documentation for the client's approval um and then uh, once that's all approved make arrangements for the client to sign the document and then the other parties would sign the document a certificate provider um needs uh, is 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 um a person that is involved in the lpa the certificate provider's um role is to ensure that the person making the lpa has mental capacity when they make it so I am happy to, as a solicitor, happy to act as certificate provider or an appropriate professional with the relevant skills, but it also can be someone you've known for at least two years who's prepared to give that certification. Then all the attorneys need to sign the document um, before it's then submitted to the Office of a Public Guardian for registration. And as I said, the whole process takes about three to four months. Um, this will be subject to any delays in the process, any questions the OPG raise, any delays with the attorneys um, signing and returning the documents. Um, 
with a deputy ship, it's a little bit more involved. There's a bit more to it, um, and, and the process is, is longer. So you're looking at about 12 months, actually, at the moment to um, get a deputy ship in place. Yeah, yeah. Um, there is a new online deputy ship process, which has been introduced this year, which um, should make the process a little bit more streamlined, efficient and quicker. Um, but if we're just thinking about the traditional route, um, that that is is quite a long a long process. Um, could be longer than twelve months, even. It all depends on the complexity of, of the case. Mm-hmm. Just briefly, the process again will involve the same sort of initial um, initial steps as with an LPA, and there, but then there's more forms to fill out. Um, you have to complete some quarter protection forms, which includes all the financial details of the person who lacks capacity, details of their care arrangements. Um, future needs, their family circumstances. And then a medical assessment report needs to be completed by their GP or another appropriate professional, medical professional, who confirms that they do actually have, um, they do lack capacity in relation to the issue in question that you're, you know, in relation to the deputy ship. That's all then submitted to the court of protection once complete and signed. And then there is sort of quite a long period of um, review by the court of protection. Um, they, they place the they place the um, the, the um, application into the system. Um, there is then a notification process where at least three um, close members of the um, person who lacks capacities, um, family or friends need to be notified and they have an opportunity to object if they don't if they disagree with the application or any part of the application and they can put forward um, submissions to the court so there is that process and the court will then deal with any responses by those people this could obviously lengthen the process if um, a deputy application is contested and they may sort of um, the court may um, require a hearing to take place mm-hmm. um, they will then raise any queries themselves deal with any outstanding information and then 12 months later or so we'll, we'll make the final order mm-hmm. In terms of costs, um, obviously that our sort of precise costs will be subject to meeting you and taking your exact, you know, instructions and establishing your requirements. But generally speaking, our fixed fee for preparing um, one LPA, so one type of LPA is 500 plus fat. And for the two types of LPAs is 650 plus fat. Then the Office of the Public Guardian charge £82 to register each LPA. Deputy ship costs are a little bit higher and there's there's more of those costs, I'm afraid. Um, So you're looking at an initial application fee of £371. That's just to make the application. There is a fee remission or exemption available if the person who lacks capacities income is below a certain threshold or they're in receipt of certain benefits. Okay, so it's really important that you kind of consider whether that that fee can be waived or or reduced. Um, Then you've got an initial admin fee of £100. Um, There is the uh, medical assessment fee, um, which will be that of the GP um, who prepares the mental capacity report. There is a um, yearly supervision fee, um, which will be £320. That's payable every year. Or there's a reduced fee of £35 if the the estate, the person's sort of finances are are very simple um, and below a certain capital threshold. 
sounds like it could be quite an expensive um, thing to go down. If there are parents listening to this who perhaps are concerned about um, the costs or perhaps they have slightly lower incomes, is there any advice you could give them? Yeah, so um, I think with, with, with the SEND child, a finance deputy ship um, is not always going to be necessary because they may have limited finances and not much money um, and they're any source of income maybe their DWP benefits in which case it may be um, sufficient for a parent uh, or family member to apply to become their appointee so you apply to the DWP to become their appointee that's appropriate if all their income is, is DWP benefits and they have a capital of um, six thousand pounds or below then they can manage the benefits and pay outgoings from those benefits without the need for a deputy ship. However, if you, the SEND child, has income from other sources, such as a trust fund, or they have capital over 6,000, then I'm afraid it is the deputy ship route that they would need to follow. There is only those two options, I'm afraid. Yeah. Thanks, Anne-Marie. That's really, really helpful. Um, and if people want to find out a little bit more from you, how do they go about contacting you? Okay, yes. So at Mojas Druitt, we have um, experts who can assist and advise in relation to all of these issues. Um, you can contact us um, um, on the with the details at the end of this podcast and also go onto our website at www.mojasdruitt.com for more details on how to contact us. That's great. Thanks very much. Thank you. Your Money and Your Life podcast was brought to you courtesy of Mojas Druitt, solicitors and financial planners. On your side, at your side. Call 0800 533 5349 or visit mojasdruitt.com.